Okay, welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and my website is educateforlife.org. If you've been following along, we've been having all kinds of uh, guests on the show. We just had uh, Dr. James Fazio last week. We talked a lot about um, uh, Forge from Reformation. We talked about the Reformation. We talked about uh, dispensationalism, which is relevant to the topic we're talking about today. We talked about the different ages that the Bible talks about, how God has interacted with humanity in different ways throughout time. And uh, we're going to be touching now today on the deep state and also on uh, what's happening now with when you look at things like the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, when we see what's happening in Israel, what's, when we see what's happening with our government here today. How does this all play and what does the word of God have to say about those things? Before we jump in, um, I just want to encourage you, my website, educateforlife.org, we've got over 40 online classes there that are meant to help you and your family have a firm foundation in the word of God, a firm faith in the word of God. And uh, you can check it out. Uh, it's got all kinds of resources on there, as well as interviews with scientists from all over the world, with experts on different areas of theology all over the world, and people who have left things like Islam, um, Muhammad Daniel, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Messiah, who uh, used to be Muhammad Kamel, left Islam, had a supernatural experience with Jesus Christ, and became a Christian and began to share the gospel all over the place. And our guest today is Alex Newman. He is the founder and president of Liberty Sentinel. You can check that out at libertysentinel.org. And he has an, a, an awesome testimony about he, how he came to Christ. And it was through um, basically, as far as I understand it, studying prophecy. He's a journalist, educator, author, and he's been on numerous different uh, publications, written for numerous publications. And um, he, he's been studying the deep state now for around 12 years. So Alex, thanks a lot for being on the program today. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, I find it really interesting um, that you actually became convinced the Word of God was true because of the fact that you started studying things like the deep state, the, the prophecies coming true. I haven't heard too many people say, hey, that's the way I became a Christian. But tell us a little bit about that. How did that happen? Sure. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to tell that story. I was in college and, you know, even from the time I was probably 16 or 17, I was so far down the wrong path. I mean, you know, people would just be shocked and appalled if they knew the kind of stuff that I was into. But um, when I was 16 or 17, I started getting the sense that something was really wrong with the way the world worked, with the, the systems, the governments and all that. Uh, and I started, I actually got expelled from school for a lot of reasons, but I uh, tried to redeem myself, get a GED, get into college like everybody's supposed to. So I did that. And in college, um, I started reading, I started, uh, that was just when YouTube had, had recently come out, so I started watching documentaries on YouTube, and I really got fascinated by this effort to create a world government system. And there was so much evidence for this, it was impossible to ignore, I mean, it was just in your face, yeah, they don't tell you really in the media what's going on, they don't put the pieces together, but it was too obvious to ignore, there was so much out there. And one day, I, as I was researching all this, I, I started a newspaper with some friends and we were, we were working on this kind of stuff, trying to get the, the truth as we saw it out to the public. And uh, the Holy Spirit just kind of came over me. And uh, it was like, you know, all this stuff that I'm here researching and studying, uh, you know, God actually talked about that 2,000 years ago. I, I was kind of vaguely familiar with these prophecies that there was going to be this coming antichrist global system that was going to reign over the world for a period of time. And and when it all connected, I actually ran outside my house with my cell phone and I called my godmother, who, who also happens to be my aunt. And I said, Aunt Jackie, Aunt Jackie, you've been right all along. The Bible's really true. It, it was such an exciting moment. And it took me a very long time. You know, it took me years to to 
leave behind all my unbiblical beliefs and to really get more into a biblical worldview. You know, I was an evolutionist for the longest time. It took me a really long time to unbrainwash myself, as I say, yeah. but it really was studying this stuff that, uh, that the Holy Spirit used to, to bring me around. That's pretty incredible. You know, I, uh, when I was growing up, I had a pastor who he talked about the end of the world all the time, like all the time. It was co constantly coming up and he was referencing the news and everything. And sometimes I was like, man, why does he talk about this so much? You know, much later on down the road, I realized, you know why he talks about this so much? It's because that's what the Bible says to do. It says constantly remind one another, right, of the coming of Christ, of, of what's happening, of what God's doing, that this world is temporary. And so it's so important. And it, it kind of lights a fire under us and goes, wait a second, you know, um, we're, we're putting down roots here uh, on planet Earth, when in fact, the reality is, is God wants us to be heavenly minded um, and, and about his coming. So that's really cool what you're doing. Um, what is some, uh, I mean, 12 years is a long time that you've been studying the deep state. Um, has this been, in your mind, has this been something that's growing? Is it a growing development? Is, is it something that's start up or is this, is it um, just manifesting more? What's going on, uh, you know, from the long range perspective here? Yeah, good question. I, I say it's really just coming out of the closet more and more. You know, they, they were kind of secretive about it. I mean, they, they would still talk semi-openly about it in their publications. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, George H.W. Bush, of course, famously came out in 1991 while he was invading Iraq. And he said, uh, you know, the, the first Bush and said, uh, it's about much more than just one small country. It's a big idea. It's about a new world order. And, and then he gave details. It's, it's a world in yeah. which a credible United Nations is going to use its peacekeeping role, which of course he means it's military force. And I was brought up so indoctrinated. I went to international schools all my life. So it was constant UN. So when he said peacekeeping role, I knew right away they're talking about military forces. They have them peacekeeping troops uh, to bring about the world uh, envisioned by the UN's founders. And he talked about we're going to have a system where the rule of law is going to govern the conduct of nations. Of course, we're talking about global law here. And, and that was really just in your face. But now they've moved on to kind of the next phase, right? Now they're, they're just openly training up the children in the public schools for this global system that's emerging. It's just, it's just become so much more obvious what they're trying to do. And, and the details are becoming more clear, too. And if you read scripture, you already know all of this. But what I find so fascinating is how current events actually just confirm what God revealed to us in his word. And, and that's why, you know, touching on what you said, a lot of people think this is a message of doom and gloom that, oh my goodness, a world government is coming and they're going to persecute Christians. It's, it's the exact opposite of a message of doom and gloom. It's a message of redemption. It's a message that our, our Lord, our Savior, our King is coming back and he's going to smash the evil that has overtaken this world. And if you haven't realized that, that evil is running amok, I challenge you just turn on the news for crying out loud. It's, I mean, it's yeah. hard to avoid it. But guess what? God's coming back and he's going to fix it. So that is a message of hope. And encouragement. Our hope is not in this world. It's not in you know politicians or, or, or governments or systems or or money or any of that. It's all got to be in God, and He's going to come back and He's going to make it right. Yeah, that's great. That's a great message too, because that is how a lot of people receive it. As soon as you start talking about these sorts of things, people are like, "Oh no, you know, the end of the world." And and I'm I'm an apologist, and I have students when when we bring this up or we touch on this, we begin to talk about some of the prophecies that are coming true, what they're doing over in Israel and, and so forth. And they're like, oh, no, oh, no. You know, they, the students always say, I just want to get married before Jesus comes back. <laughs> I'm, like, hey, I'm like, hey, relax. It's okay. It's going to be a lot better than marriage. Amen. <laughs> marriage is great. Marriage is great. It's God-ordained and praise God for it. And, but the fact of the matter is, is that our relationship with God is, 
so much greater and it's going to be so much more of a blessing. But um, I wanted to ask you about that also. That is, um, you know, you said that people are coming more, they're more bold about it. They're speaking more openly about it. It does seem like it's in the news. And we talk about this socialist movement that's happening uh, in America, the, the communist movement even that is uh, much more bold and much more, like you said, in your face. And, and it seems people are, uh, uh, think it's acceptable, right? Um, but so give us some of the things that were happening, you know, 12 years ago when you began studying this. Give, it, give us some of the things that were happening that represent the deep state. So, for example, a lot of people, they don't have a lot of idea about what the deep state is. Um, give us your definition. If somebody were to say, define the deep state, what exactly is that? What would your definition be? Excellent question. Brilliant question. It's funny. I, I actually just wrote a book. I told you a minute ago, I got it about five minutes before we started. I got my first copies of it and it's called Deep State, uh, the invisible government behind the scenes. And so on, on a superficial level, you know, there, there's polling now that shows that 75% of Americans recognize we have a deep state. And that's good. That's, that's progress that people recognize that uh, something is going on that we're not being told about. The way they defined it in the poll is a, a group of government and military officials who are kind of secretly manipulating policy. And, and that kind of scratches the surface, but it, it really barely scratches the surface. I mean, it's like looking at an iceberg and you see the little tip sticking out of the water and you're like, hey, there's a little piece of ice. No, actually, it's this massive iceberg. Right? And so, so when I talk about the deep state, you know, in, in the physical level, we do have, you know, what the, the popular understanding. There, there's bureaucrats within the federal government. There's, uh, you know, powerful people kind of operating behind the scenes, pulling the strings of politicians and all that. Um, and, and there's, you know, secretive and semi-secretive organizations. There's a lot of secret societies that very, very powerful people in the United States and around the world are involved in. Uh, the Skull and Bones, the Bohemian Grove out at, where you guys are in California, you know, 2,500 of the most powerful men in the world get together and they have this 40 foot stone owl and they, you know, they say they're burning a human effigy there. Uh, okay. So, you know, clearly there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. Every Republican president, incidentally, uh, since the 1920s, with the exception of the current one, President Donald Trump has been in attendance at this Bohemian Grove with their weird rituals. Uh, you've got things like Skull and Bones at Yale that I mentioned, multiple presidents, multiple Supreme Court justices, multiple senators, uh, CEOs of the biggest companies. Uh, and, and, you know, they're just obsessed with death, right? Their logo is actually a skull and crossbones, and they do death rituals. They, they showed some footage from that on ABC News of all places. And so, you, again, you, you kind of see a little bit deeper into the iceberg when you see these weird things going on behind the scenes. And God talks about these people. They prefer that their deeds be in darkness so that people don't see them. But then as Christians, we need to recognize that it's even deeper than that. And ultimately, Ephesians 6.12 tells us we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Okay? People are not our enemy. There, there are very powerful, as Paul writes in, in Ephesians 6.12, there are uh, principalities and powers and, and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're talking about, um, just as the Bible explains, uh, satanic forces that, that really, you know, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. It calls him the prince of this world. And that's not to say that Satan is a god. Right? It's just to say that many, if not, I would, I would say most people are deceived and they live in the kingdom of darkness. And we as Christians, we have been called out of that darkness and we've been brought into God's kingdom. And now we are ambassadors of God. But so the deep state is really, 
you know, Satan is the commander in chief and uh, his minions, some knowingly, some unknowingly are implementing his agenda. And of course we know that God is ultimately sovereign. He will uh, use all of this for his own glory, but it's very clear that exactly the way the Bible describes reality, that is exactly what's going on in the real world. And you can confirm it using objective, verifiable data and evidence. So that's what I was going to ask you. You know, a lot of people, as soon as you start talking about uh, skull and bones, you're talking about the Bohemian Grove, and you're talking about these sorts of things. You're talking about, you know, Illuminati comes up all the time. My, my students constantly talk, is that the Illuminati? And, you know, it's like the conspiracy among the high school students talking about the Illuminati and so forth. And, and so um, the evidence that you're talking about when we're talking about fact-based evidence, um, that's available to be able to, you're confident these are fact-based uh, this is not a conspiracy theory without evidence. It's not assertions. This is fact-based information. It absolutely is. And, you know, I would say first, let's go to Scripture. Uh, scripture in Psalm 2, verse 2 tells us that the kings of the earth conspire, is the term that a lot of translations use, against the Lord and against his anointed one, talking about Jesus Christ, of course, and by extension against his people. Um, so, you know, God already told us that this is what we should expect to see in the world. It turns out that is really what we see in the world. And so I, I've, I've given a sermon. I, I think that's what you came across. That's how um, you came across me. But uh, just over the last few months, I've, I've given this sermon in, in several different churches uh, about this subject. And one of the things that I do, because I, I recognize a lot of people have almost been conditioned, they hear the term conspiracy and, oh my goodness, that can't possibly be true. Conspiracy yeah. is a very simple definition. Prosecutors charge Americans with conspiracy every day of the year, every business day of the year, somebody's charged with conspiracy. It just means two or more people working in secret for some illegal, immoral, wicked, evil intent. That's, that's what a conspiracy means. The idea that there are not conspiracies is ludicrous. In fact, the Bible talks about multiple conspiracies. Uh, and, and the evidence that there are conspirators working toward this world system uh, is, is just in your face. And, and at some point you say, well, that's not even a conspiracy anymore. Uh, let me give you an example. David Rockefeller who I would say is one of the, uh, was one of the, he went to go meet his maker, uh, I think last year or year before last. And uh, he wrote an autobiography. It's called Memoirs. And this was published, I believe, in 2004. You can go down to your local library and get a copy. Write this down on page 405. Uh, I actually have the quote in front of me, so I'll read it just um, to, to make sure I get every word of it right. But he says, um, where did I put that? Here we go. He says, and this is a direct quote from David Rockefeller, some even believe that we, as in the Rockefeller family, are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring, that's his term, conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global and politi political and economic structure. One world, if you will. And then he says, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. So here you have one of the most powerful people in the world. Right? The old joke was, why doesn't David Rockefeller run for president? Well, he doesn't want a demotion. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so here you have the guy admitting in his own autobiography that he's conspiring with a secret cabal to build a one world order, a one world political and economic order. How much more? I mean, they know most people don't read anymore, so they, they're not worried about putting it in their books. They know that most people don't go to the library, but it's right there for anybody to see. And I've got you know videos aplenty, Bill Clinton, George. H.W. Bush, uh, um, Joe Biden, all of them talking about this new world order that they're building, and they tell you what it is. It's a world governing system. So for those of you listening, uh, my guest today is Alex Newman. You can check him out at libertysentinel.org, 
And he's an expert on the deep state and the new world order. In fact, this is how he came to Christ was through studying this and figuring out, whoa, the Bible is telling the truth here. It's happening right before our eyes. And, you know, that should be something that we all have to take to heart is that you don't know um, what's happening unless you study the word of God, because the word of God is what illuminates us to what's going on around the world and makes sense of it all. And I wanted to ask you, Alex, so in that regard, um, what is the objective? We know the objective is, okay, we want a better economic system. We want it unified. You know, we want this one world currency and, and these sorts of things. But why is this against God? Um, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they said, we were having this conversation about the technology. The technology was uh, getting so advanced that you were easily going to be able to incorporate uh, what the Bible says regarding uh, currency and all these other things because the technology is available to be able to do it. And the question came up, should we be fighting the technology or is this inevitable and should we just you know, go, okay, well, this is where it's going. Um, so is this something, is the, is the new world order something we should be fighting against uh, as Christians who have become aware of it? Or is it something that we should be thinking, hey, this is the, this is the path that's, it's going and we just need to continue to share the gospel and realize that Christ is coming back soon. Excellent question. And I think it's something, something everybody should pray about. I would argue that sharing the gospel is by definition fighting the new world order. <laughs> when you're sharing the truth, when you're sharing the love of Christ with the world, uh, you are basically waging full-on warfare with the enemy. Um, Paul, you know, I, I quoted Ephesians 6.12 earlier. Uh, Paul talks about this massive spiritual battle that we're in, and he talks about what our weapons are. He says our, our, our weapon in this battle is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we are to fight against the New World Order. We are to fight against Satan and all of his plans, not in a, in a literal sense. I'm not recommending that somebody go buy a firearm or that somebody join a militia or something. I'm saying God has told us what our tools are to do this. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in, in my personal life, uh, one scripture that has always spoken to me, I mean, since I've been a journalist, Ephesians 5.11, God tells us we should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So absolutely no uh, alliance, no allegiance, no, no fellowship, no nothing with the people that are trying to accomplish this. And more importantly, with the, with the dark spiritual forces involved, but rather... Paul says we should reprove them, or some translations use the term expose them. And so, I, you know, I take that to heart. I take it literally. And hey, God said, uh, have nothing to do with them, but expose them and reprove them. And so, hey, I'm going to expose and I'm going to reprove at every possible opportunity. If God gives me a person to share the truth with, I will expose, I will reprove, and, uh, and I will share the love of God. So, you know, it is inevitable that uh, we are going to end up with this global system. I, I don't know if it's coming in two years or, or 22 years or 200 years, but as you mentioned, the technology is now here. Um, I, actually, I opened the sermon that I, that I just mentioned with Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, 2,000 years ago, when, uh, when Jesus Christ revealed this to John, that must have sounded so ludicrous to people of the day, right? I mean, your average person didn't know what was going on in the next village, much less could, could they imagine a system where every single human being on this planet would have to comply with something to be able to buy or sell. I mean, it just must have sounded absolutely bonkers. And yet now, 
Praise God, we are living in a day where we can see the machinery for this coming into place. We have a push for a global cashless society. They're told, oh, coronavirus, you're going to get coronavirus yeah. and die. We got to get rid of cash because it's going to spread coronavirus. Uh, of course, they've been pushing this for a long time. The Better Than Cash Alliance was formed in 2012. It's got backing from the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the U.S. government, uh, you know, every one of the major billionaire-funded foundations. I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous now. Uh, the global currency system is coming into place. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is openly talking about the need to transition toward this new global reserve currency system based on their special drawing rights. So we see all of this coming into play now. And, you know, again, 2,000 years ago, it must have sounded crazy. Today, it's like, hey, that's kind of, just the other day, Elon Musk is talking about we're going to saw open a piece of your skull and we're going to put a brain chip in and you're going to be able to communicate directly with your computer, right? This is the kind of stuff that God was revealing to people 2,000 years ago, but that they had no way of comprehending. So yeah. praise God, it is an incredibly exciting thing to be alive now and see all of this being fulfilled and, and coming to pass. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Um, so, so as far as, you know, globalism is concerned and we have, you know, Biden and Trump and you said uh, almost all the presidents have been a part of, I think you said, uh, the, the Bohemian, Bohemian Grove. Yeah. The Bohemian Grove, uh, except Trump. Um, and as far as I can tell, from what I've heard from Trump, he is not a globalist. It doesn't sound at all like he's a globalist. He's actually doing his best to fight uh, for American interests specifically, uh, not not from a world perspective. Um, and this is making a lot of people very upset. Uh, so what is your perspective on the deep state in regards to, you know, Trump, Biden, and and, and should I, um, as a, a Bible-believing Christian, and in the process of exposing this, you know, somebody might look at this and they might say, why are you so upset about a global system other than that the Bible says this is what's going to, to happen? And they might say, isn't this a good thing? Why are you fighting this? Um, and I think that's how a lot of people on the other side, they look at it. They look, you crazy Christians are, are all religious and your reasons are purely religious. It's not because it's actually a bad thing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I could make a, a wonderful argument against world government from a purely secular point of view. I think it would be useless because, you know, a, a secular point of view is flawed from the start. If you don't acknowledge God as the creator of the world, nothing else makes sense. There's no reason for anything. But, I mean, from a religious point of view, I think it's obvious why this is bad. First of all, we see that uh, evil people and beyond that, evil spiritual forces are involved in this process. Uh, second of all, God is the author of nations. In fact, the last time people got together and tried this whole little global system thing, God got really upset. Remember, they were building this big Tower of Babel, and God's like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. no, 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 no. He came down there, and he confused the language. He said, I told you guys to spread out over all the world, and there's multiple passages in Scripture where God says he is the one who divided the people of the world into nations. There's a lot of reasons why he did that, uh, and, and from a secular point of view, the concept of a world government is incredibly dangerous. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to say for, for a moment that everybody involved in pushing this agenda is necessarily consciously doing evil. Um, I, I grew up in this environment. I went to international schools that were globalist to the core. I mean, you think globalist propaganda is bad in American public schools. I mean, you don't even know the stuff that I was taught growing up. I, they were training us to be the future managerial class of this global system. So it was like the, the last best hope for mankind. 
But just think about it for a minute, right? We know government is an incredibly dangerous institution. As soon as it steps out, you know, God created government, God ordained it for our good, and he gave it certain tasks to punish evil and to protect the good. That's the task that God gave to government. And when it's acting in that capacity, we have a duty to submit. It is God's minister unto us, unto righteousness. So, you know, government is a good thing. But the moment it steps out of bounds, out of the, the role that God has defined for it, horrifying things start happening. Don't believe me? Pick up a history book. Think about Nazi Germany, National Socialism. Think about Soviet Communism. Think about Chinese Communism. Uh, Government has killed hundreds of millions of people just in the last century, okay? Communist governments have slaughtered over 100 million of their own people just in the last century. Clearly, government is something very, very dangerous. Uh, George Washington put it well. He said, government is is a nice servant, but it's also a fearful master when it gets out of the fireplace, right? It's like a fire, he said, and that's very true. So from a, from a secular standpoint and from a Christian standpoint, the idea of a global government is very dangerous. But the way they've sucked people into this, well-meaning people, people who, who maybe uh, you know, don't have discernment, people who are not reading God's word, the way they've sucked people into this is, hey, look at all the wars that have happened. And, and wars happen because we have nation states and because we have religion. If we could get rid of nation states, if we could get rid of religion and just have one global government and one global religion, then we won't have war anymore. Then it'll all be peace, happiness, kumbaya, and all the rest of it. But what does the Bible say? As soon as they say peace and safety, what's going to happen? Boom, you're in big trouble. So that's what we're headed toward. And the world's going to get a very rude awakening. So uh, Trump being, you know, against globalism, um, I imagine you're, you are uh, probably a Trump supporter. I mean, a Christ supporter, of course. No man is going to save the world except Jesus. Uh, absolutely. But, but from the perspective of, you know, the elections right around the corner here and uh, Trump is not a globalist and he seems to be very much opposed to it. Um, you know, how does that play into this? Is he, is, is, I've thought about it, you know, is God sparing us uh, for a moment? Is he allowing uh, for a time for more people to come to know him? You know, what is God doing? Cause I, I feel like kind of there's, there's kind of this, almost this, um, you know, kind of, uh, stop, uh, stopping the flow of, of, uh, horrifying evil in a sense um, temporarily, do you have thoughts on what role he's playing you know, not being in the, in the Bohemian Grove and so forth? I do. Yeah. I have, I have lots of thoughts on that. And I, it's something I've written about extensively. Uh, yes, I, I'm a Trump fan uh, with reservations. You know, I, I start off by saying the Bible says, don't put your faith in men, right? It's always got to be in God. So it's, we're not going to trust a politician to save us or even to save our country. Now, I like a lot of what Trump has done. I like a lot of what Trump has said, but he's a man. He's not God. And he has some very serious failings. Uh, one that, that struck me most recently, there was this commercial made by uh, an LGBT activist who served in the administration saying Trump was the most pro-LGBT president in American history. Uh, and, and you know, he had been supporting so-called homosexual marriage from before he went into office, and he was the first in American history. And I thought, okay, Trump's probably going to ignore that. Instead, he tweeted it out and said he was honored. And, uh, you know, frankly, if, if the Word of God is our source of authority on everything, uh, the Bible speaks clearly about what marriage is. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and, and, and it's much more important than just even the moral aspect of it. Marriage is a representation of Christ's relationship with the church. And so when we start uh, saying that, you know, two guys can get married or three girls can get married or, you know, the Supreme Court can say a guy's going to marry a goat, uh, suddenly we've 
uh, shattered this beautiful institution that God created for our good. And, and to see the president supporting that, to see U.S. embassies in other countries flying these LGBT pride parade flags, uh, it breaks my heart. But with all that said, uh, I do think God is using Trump uh, for, for some very important things. Uh, it does feel like uh, he's used Trump to kind of hold back the forces of darkness uh, for a little while. And, and I don't know what exactly his purposes are in doing that. We do know that God raises up kings, and so I'm confident that God has uh, multiple purposes for putting Trump where he is now. And, and you're right, Trump has been fighting globalism very significantly. I mean, he, he's withdrawn from multiple UN agencies. I mean, this is stuff that I thought I would never see again in my lifetime, yeah. and yet it's yeah. happening. We're out of UNESCO, the UN's education agency, which is promoting this uh, world core curriculum that the author of the world core curriculum, his name is Robert Mueller. He was the assistant secretary general of the UN. He admits in the foreword to the teacher's manual that this was based on the teachings of Alice Bailey, who was the, the, uh, the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company, who was communicating with these spiritual entities she referred to as ascended masters. So yeah. Trump has clearly... Uh, throwing some monkey wrenches into the machinery of this uh, satanic agenda. And, and I'm incredibly encouraged by that. And, and I'm also encouraged to see a lot of Christians now starting to think more seriously uh, about certain things. But, you know, ultimately in America, we, we are very unique in world history. I mean, we're a country where we, the people, are supposed to be the ultimate authority under God, right? The founding father said God's law is superior to any man's law. That's why they said that our right to life, our right to liberty, our right to property, that these are unalienable rights. They said that God had endowed us with these rights. They're taking these principles straight out of scripture. God said, don't murder. Therefore, the founding father said, you have a right to life that is superior to any government. That's a right that God gave you and nobody can take that away from you. So, so to see these principles being talked about again, to see this, this horrifying effort to build a world government, uh, not just stopped in its tracks, but, but even reversed in, in many important senses, is something that I didn't think I would see in my lifetime and that I, I'm personally thrilled about. I'm very pleased that God chose to do that. And I, I do encourage people to pray about this, but do be active. You know, uh, God's people have an obligation to govern this country correctly. And we have our Bible as our source of instructions for how a country is to be governed. And we were so blessed that we were born in a country where we, the people, get to participate in that process. Amen, amen. Yeah, that's great. Uh, my guest is Alex Newman, libertysentinel.org. You can check him out there. Uh, he recently came out with a book, The Deep State. Actually, he just got fresh copies today. So uh, you can check that out also. Can they pick up a copy on your website, uh, Alan? Alex? Yes, they can. And it, it will be up on Amazon pretty soon. Uh, but the pre-sales, you can get them at libertysentinel.org. Uh, click on the donate button there. And then there's some instructions. You can send me an email with your address and, uh, or a PO box and uh, send you know, 15 or 20 bucks by PayPal and I'll get one in the mail to you. So That's great. Okay. So, um, you know, with fighting the deep state and so forth and everything, how much do you think that a person needs to be educated about the deep state? Because there's a lot going on uh, in the background because, I mean, that's what the deep state is. It's, it's uh, powers that be that are influencing the government in ways that we don't, either we don't know about or in ways which we have no say in what's happening, um, doing things. How much do they need to know about what's happening in the deep state? How much uh, should they be a student of the deep state in order to, um, you know, make a difference and be able to live out their Christianity uh, um, in a way that is honoring to God. What are your thoughts there? Excellent question. And, you know, one thing I would say is we don't want to get obsessed with this. But one thing that I also want to say is 
God's word talks about this extensively. And if God's word talks about it, that means it's important. That means God thinks we ought to know something about it. And so, you know, every, every Christian doesn't need to go out there and become an expert on the deep state. You don't need to go buy my book and tell your pastor about it, right? Uh, but it is important for us to understand the nature of reality. And I think a, a big part of the church has been really blind to this issue. And, and a lot of pastors don't want to talk about this issue because it touches on things that might be a little controversial and you might step on And if somebody watches CNN, they might not like to hear that. But guess what? If God talks about these things, these are things that we should be talking about. And, and you know, the Bible has so much to say on this issue. And if we don't understand the nature of reality, it's, it's very easy for us to be deceived. Uh, we know that Satan is, is walking about like a lion, uh, seeking whom he may devour. And one of his chief weapons in his arsenal is deception and is lying to us. So if we don't understand how the world really works, as revealed to us in God's word, then we are uh, susceptible to these kinds of manipulations. And, and I also think there's a misunderstanding, again, about the nature of reality. There's only two kingdoms, right? There's, there's ultimately only two sides. There is no neutrality. Uh, God tells us multiple times in Scripture, uh, Luke eleven twenty three, Matthew twelve thirty. exact same phrase. He that is, this is Jesus speaking, he that is not with me is against me. So you're either part of God's kingdom, you are either a citizen of heaven, or you are of your father, the devil. There's only two options. You can't just sit back and say, ah, I'll just see who wins and, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll choose a side. No, you've got to understand that we're in a battle. You've got to understand that there are wicked, wicked forces that want to devour you. They want to destroy your family. They want to devour your children. They want to take your soul down to hell. And so if you don't understand that this is what we're up against, uh, I think it makes you much more susceptible to uh, being manipulated and, and to believing things that are, are, frankly, not just false, but dangerous to your spiritual well-being. So give us, so give us some idea of what, what you're talking about when you say that there are ideas that people are falling for that are dangerous, that are, that are being moved. There, This is, uh, you know, pieces being moved by the deep state that are causing people to make bad decisions. Give us some examples of how that's happening right now. Excellent. I, I, I'm so pleased to do that. Uh, one of the really obvious ones that I, I've just been shocked at how much this has infiltrated the church is the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, there's no Christian on this planet who, who would you know, even remotely dispute the idea that black lives matter. If you're a Christian, you know that God created every human being on this planet in his image. You know that every human being on this planet comes from one blood. You know that we're all descended from Adam and Eve and from Noah and his wife. So to even suggest for a moment that some human life didn't matter if it's made in the image of God is preposterous. There's, there's no Christian who could come to that conclusion. And yet at the same time, we have this movement that's very clearly of the world uh, or, or worse, I'll get into that in a moment, called Black Lives Matter, that has, I mean, you now drive around parts of this country and you see Black Lives Matter up on the billboard of a church. And they're not talking about, you know, just the obvious fact that every life is made in the image of God and therefore matters. They are specifically endorsing this movement. Well, what do we know about this movement? We know a whole bunch of things. We know that its own founders admit that they are trained Marxists. We know that on their website, they call for dismantling the nuclear family. God is the one who ordained the nuclear family. We know that they call for the abolition of private property. God is the author of private property. He said, thou shalt not steal. That's pretty clear, if you ask me. We know now 
that they are conjuring spirits, right? I've got videos, and I showed these in my sermon because a lot of people who, who just watch television for their, for their source of information, they don't realize this. I've got videos of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Patrice Cullors, uh, Melina Abdullah, the professor who founded the Los Angeles chapter, uh, multiple Black Lives Matter founders and leaders talking about how they're, they're summoning spirits. They're, I mean, just unbelievable the things that they have admitted and you know they they might not recognize what's going on here because they're not biblically literate they haven't been reading their bible they don't know that god condemns necromancy and witchcraft and sorcery and speaking with dead spirits that he calls these things an abomination that they are detestable unto the lord and that they're not really speaking to dead ancestor spirits they're speaking to demons and they're believing the doctrines of demons and yet a lot of this stuff has infiltrated the churches and i see pastors up there giving sermons about you need to apologize for your white privilege and you need to accept that black lives matter i'm thinking look this is the world's garbage this is satanic propaganda it has no place in the church racism is not an issue in the church it can't be an issue in the church we are one in christ if you're talking about racism in your church i mean what's wrong do you not believe what the bible says that we are one in christ are you not one in christ well maybe you're not a church then right so uh, so that's one of, of many examples and it goes to the broader issue of marxism okay marxism is a total repudiation of everything that God has revealed to us on every single point, right? Private property is, is the first and most obvious one. Before you keep going into Marxism, I have a question about the BLM movement sure. that, you, that you said. Because you said, um, you know, that, because BLM seems to be very out there. Um, so it's categorized as deep state. Why are you categorizing it as deep state if they're pretty blatant about what they're saying? Excellent question. Thank you for that. And I, I, I should not have omitted that. Now, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is portrayed as this kind of grassroots operation. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I have a, a document that was hacked from George Soros's uh, Open Society Foundations in 2015, where they are openly talking about how, ooh, this gives us an opportunity to create a national Black Lives Matter movement. We need to find some of these leaders and invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to train them so that they can turn this into a national movement. And then we're going to use that to dismantle local police departments. We're going to use that to dismantle so-called inequality, by which they mean private property rights, individual liberty, and so on. So we have key deep state operatives. I mean, George Soros is, is almost like the essence of deep state, right? It's a guy who's made billions of dollars using shady means. And, and that's not just me saying that. He was actually convicted in a court of law of insider trading. I've got a video of him admitting on national television that he felt no guilt about helping the Nazis steal property from Jews. I mean, you know, I understand he was a child. It was a tough situation, you know, okay. But how does a person do that and not feel a sense of guilt, not feel a sense of remorse? Uh, it suggests to me he's got a seared conscience like the Bible talks about. But so when you see these types of, and George Soros is just one of, of many, right? The, I mentioned David Rockefeller earlier. There's a whole bunch of these deep state architects and money men. Do you think that Joe Biden is uh, involved in that? Is, does he have ties to the deep state? He absolutely does. Uh, one of the videos that I showed in, in my sermon is him uh, talking to, at, at the Council on Foreign Relations. So the Council on Foreign Relations is uh, an incredibly powerful deep state organization in the U.S. It's probably the most influential, open deep state organization in the United States. You know, a lot of the ones that I've talked about are secret. You know, they don't have membership lists. They don't have a website. The Council on Foreign Relations does have those things. Well, Hillary Clinton, I've got a video of her. You can find it on YouTube. While she was Secretary of State, she says, 
the Council on Foreign Relations tells her what she should be doing and how she should think about the future. Uh, I've got Dick Cheney, the vice president under George W. Bush, talking about how he used to be on the board and how he loves the CFR and how he never told the voters back home in Wyoming when he was running for re-election. Then I've got a more recent video of Joe Biden talking to uh, a group at the Council on Foreign Relations. He's on stage with Richard Haas, the president of the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, Richard Haas introduces himself. He says, hi, I'm Richard. I work here at the Council on Foreign Relations. And Joe Biden says, and I work for Richard. Uh, and, and it's just one of the many examples where, um, and, and it's not a partisan issue at all. I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. This isn't even a political war that we're in. Ultimately, it's a spiritual war. And people in, on both sides of the you know, political divide, Republican, Democrat, are very much involved with these institutions. But, you know, to me, it's absolutely clear that Joe Biden is a deep state swamp creature, as the president might call them. Uh, I mean, his, his own campaign slogan, build back better. That's all the rage right now. He literally ripped that off from the United Nations. That's actually a UN slogan. And when Joe Biden says it, he means it in exactly the same sense that the UN means it. He just doesn't give them credit. Mm, yeah, he seems to do that frequently. But um, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, along these same lines to, um, you know, you were talking about the ties to Marxism and all, which is obviously for a long time, the issue of Marxism and communism has been plaguing our country uh, all the way back into the Cold War. And, and uh, I read a book uh, not too long ago called The Naked Communist, which was very, very revealing uh, about these issues and how that's been trying, they've been trying to infiltrate America in that regard. Um, so, why is it that Trump is um, Trump is so anti these things? Why is he seem to so opposed? Uh, is there a reason that you can tell? Because it just seems so out of the blue. It kind of blew me away. Like what? Why is he so aggressively uh, opposed to um, the deep state and to the globalism and these sorts of things? You know, I, for one, I think he is a Christian. I, I do believe that he has been saved. I, you know, I've, I've heard people who, who know him, who have talked about his testimony. And, you know, he's, he's probably a baby Christian, he's, you know, like me. It took me many, many years to finally come around to a biblical worldview and to leave all the propaganda behind. And I, and I think, you know, that accounts for some of the things like what I was talking about earlier with the LGBT stuff. But I do think Trump is a Christian, and I do think he loves this country. And this country was founded on biblical principles. Uh, he comes from a Christian background, a Christian home. In fact, his family has some incredible history with the church. That's just it's just mind blowing. And so I, I think Trump is coming from a position of sincerity. And and I think the things that are hostile to Christ, to God's word, and and to America, which was founded on biblical principles, are, you know, Trump sees those and he's horrified by them. And so globalism is a good example of that. Marxism is another good example of that. And, and you know, I think his opposition to Marxism is genuine. Just yesterday, a very good friend of mine, Frank de Barona, a, a Cuban who invaded Cuba in the Bay of Pigs operation, was up in the, in the Oval Office meeting with the president talking about, you know, what can we do to prevent Marxism in America and at the same time make America strong. So he, he's genuine in his support for individual liberty. I mean, the Bible's clear. Liberty it comes from God, right? That's a gift of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Even back into the Old Testament on our liberty bell, right? Uh, proclaim liberty throughout the land and do all the inhabitants thereof. So, so liberty is something that is God-ordained, that is good. And I think Trump instinctively understands that as a Christian who was raised a Christian. So I think that's very encouraging. But what I was going to say about Marxism, and this goes right along with this, uh, Marxism is, I think, in essence, Satanism. Uh, and a lot of people hear that at first and they're like, whoa, what do you mean? Well, you know, I'll start off by pointing out, what did Marx say? He wanted to, first of all, abolish private property. 
Okay. Again, God is the author of private property. God's the one who said thou shalt not steal. Marx is proposing that we steal everything from everyone. Okay. Institutionalizing theft. Uh, Marx called for women to be held in common. He believed in communal women. We're not going to have a, a man and a woman married for life in a monogamous relationship. He believed that, uh, you know, all the men should be able to do stuff with all the women, communal women. He believed that the government should take charge of children, right? Uh, this is horrifying to a Christian. The Bible is crystal clear about who is in charge of the upbringing, the education of children. That is the parents. I mean, there, there's endless Bible verses talking about who's in charge of raising children. That is parents, not government, certainly not Karl Marx. And so on every issue, Karl Marx comes down on the wrong side. So there was this pastor, a Romanian pastor named Richard Vermbrandt, a wonderful man of God. Uh, see, I, I guess you know who he is. That's right. Yep. So, so he, um, he was arrested in Romania by the communist government there. He was tortured for many, many years. And all the time he was you know, praying for his captors and preaching the gospel to them. Uh, when he finally got out, he said, you know what? This must be satanic. That was his, his hypothesis. So he did the research. And what he found was proof that his hypothesis was correct. He actually quotes, he wrote a book called Marx and Satan. If you don't have it, I encourage you to go get a PDF, lays it out. He goes through Marx's poetry. You know, Marx is portrayed as an atheist, which, uh, you know, God doesn't believe in atheists, but uh, he's not an atheist. If you read his poetry, he made a pact with Satan, and he writes about his pact with Satan. He despised God. And so when you understand that Marxism is satanic, suddenly you see all these Marxist uh, revolutions around the world, these Marxist organizations in America through a completely different lens. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. Uh, I mean, that, that you would say that. It's, it's hard to believe that something could be that evil and not be of Satan, you know, the, the amount of uh, uh, horrific things that, that have come out of Marxism. Um, I wanted to, we have, a, we have a little bit of time left, and I wanted to touch on this because I know you've, you've uh, wrote, written on this, the 1619 uh, project that's infiltrating our schools. Our schools have already been plagued uh, tremendously with uh, horrible ideas and indoctrination in the public schools and so forth. Um, what is this? Can you give our listeners an update on what's happening with 1619 and why this is such a problem? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to do that. So uh, 1619 Project is the latest effort to rewrite American history. To completely, they say it's an effort to reframe American history. It's really an effort to rewrite American history from top to bottom. So until recently, you, you ask your average American, you know, what is the birthday of your country? They say, well, 1776. That's when our founding fathers said that uh, God created us all equally and God endowed us all with inalienable rights. And so therefore, we are going to assume uh, the powers which we are entitled to from nature and from nature's God to declare independence and found this nation. I mean, it, it was totally based on biblical principles. They want to abolish all that. And they say, no, the real birthday of your country is the year 1619. That's the year that the first African slaves arrived on North American soil. Well, to start off with, that's a lie in and of itself. They were indentured servants. These were some African people who had been kidnapped by a rival African tribe uh, in what is today Angola. They were put on a European merchant ship and brought to America as indentured servants. After their periods of servitude were up, they were free to go. And in fact, one of the earliest Africans to come to the United States, his name was Antonio, because he came over on a Portuguese ship uh, from what was then Portuguese Angola. Uh, he became Anthony Johnson here. He actually became the first legal slave owner in the United States. Up until that time, there was not slavery 
that was legal. This guy, uh, a black man from Africa, very wealthy, after he finished his period of servitude, he went out on his own as a free man, created a, a very wealthy plantation, and he sued somebody in a court, and that was the first ruling authorizing the ownership of a person for a period of life. Before that, indentured servitude only went on for a period of years. So anyways, it's probably more detail than what people wanted to know, but I just wanted to point out this whole thing starts from a lie. But so they say that is the real birthday of America. And so everything about America, in fact, the author of the, of the main essay in the 1619 project and Nicole uh, Hannah Jones, she says racism and white supremacy and, and evil and oppression and slavery, they are, she says, embedded in the DNA of America. Well, if that's in our DNA, there's nothing you can do to get rid of it, right? It's, it's who you are. The only acceptable solution then is, as they say in Iran, death to America, right? And so this is an effort to completely undermine uh, a nation that was founded on the principles that are found in God's word, a nation that was blessed by God because of being founded on those principles, a nation that was in a fallen world created by fallen men that was, of course, not perfect, that did tolerate uh, slavery for longer than it should have. But, you know, and I'll just remind people for some context, slavery was an institution that has existed from the dawn of human civilization in almost every human civilization that has ever existed on this planet until Christianity led by Western Christians in the UK and the United States and some of the other Western European countries said, wait a minute, this doesn't line up very well with biblical principles. How can we own somebody if they're created in the image of God? We shouldn't do that. So we ended slavery in our own countries. Then we ended it all over the world. It took a long time. I mean, you could still buy and sell slaves legally in Mauritania, an African country until 2007. But, uh, you know, I think that's a history to be proud of, that, that yeah. for the first time in history, we said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. But the New York Times project, it is now in public schools all over America, and it is being used to indoctrinate our children to hate Christianity, to hate the church, to hate their family, their parents, themselves, and their nation for very strategic purposes. And as the president pointed out recently, the reason we see this mayhem in our streets is because our children are being indoctrinated in public schools. That's absolutely true. Well, that's a powerful point uh, to wrap things up here. Alex, I really want to thank you for being on the program. It's been a huge blessing to have you. Well, thank uh, you so much for having me, Kevin. It's been a real blessing to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. You got it. And I'm sure we could have a lot more to talk about, so we might do a follow-up to this. But you, if you're listening out there, Alex Newman, LibertySentinel.org, just came out with a new book, Deep State. If you want to be informed about these issues, because I know a lot of people are very interested in this, they're studying this, they're trying to understand what's going on, and it's worth your time, it's worth your effort, because like you said, you know, the Bible talks all about this. It says this is what we're going to be dealing with. We've got to be aware. We've got to be alert, right? We've got to keep uh, uh, oil in our lamps. We've got to know what, what's happening here and um, so that we can let other people know because they can come to know Christ as they go, whoa, wait a second. Here's what the Bible says, and here's what's happening. The Bible's true, right? And that's how Amen. he came to Christ, and uh, that's how a lot of other people are going to come to know Christ too. I don't, I don't doubt it for a second. So. Again, thank you, Alex, and uh, we'll be back again next week, you guys. We've got hundreds of shows up on the website. Uh, just inter interviewed Dr. James Fazio last week on dispensationalism. Very, very interesting on the different ages. And then um, have other, many other inter interviews up there with uh, scientists like Dr. James Tor, one of the top 50 scientists in the world. He shows that evolution can't possibly work. We've interviewed all kinds of guests that you can check out, get a lot of useful information that will help you to be a blessing to those around you and help you to be a light for Christ. So God bless you. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.